All right, so please open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. So 2 Corinthians chapter 13. I wanted to share uh, a bit about uh, what we've covered this weekend uh, up the hill. And I told you the theme of the men's retreat is uh, forged by his fire. And so we'll be talking a little bit about that. Uh, we had a, a presentation yesterday by a blacksmith, and he worked with some some metal and putting it, putting the uh, a little rod into the fire, and and uh, he would stoke the fire uh, with uh, uh, with a little machine that produced air that went out uh, went under it and blew out, and just uh, it was beautiful. But uh, the way in which he worked with um, with the steel and formed it into the shape that he desired to serve a specific function. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So let's pray, and we'll continue. Father, uh, we know that it is difficult at times to examine ourselves, and yet you have called us to do that very thing. Uh, Lord, that that which is revealed, we would, um, Lord, do, of one of, do one of two things, that is, to be encouraged by it and continue to, to grow in that. Or secondly, Lord, if it's not of you, to repent of that and do away with it in our lives, that we may be a people, um, Lord, who, um, Lord, uh, desire to be holy as you are holy. Um, to walk uprightly before you in righteousness, to bless and glorify you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand what it means to examine ourselves and, and just the benefit of doing that far exceeds what, can e- what we can even think or imagine. Lord, it, it is to your glory, and we prove by that that we are genuinely disciples of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, speak to us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So some of the things that we covered um, are things that I believe from last week's uh, uh, Sunday message to today kind of just goes hand in hand. It just flows right into it. Uh, we talked about God's purpose on Friday night, the purpose of his trials in our lives. Uh, James 1, 2 through 4 was referenced quite a bit. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so we need to understand the purpose of our trials, that which we go through. What it means to have joy in trials, too. What it looks like. You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so even in the midst of our trials, the difficulties that we are faced with, we ought to have that joy, that uh, cannot be taken away uh, by anyone or anything, anything that we're faced with. And what it looks to be forged by God's fire. The definition of being forged, of, of, of forging, is subjecting yourselves, ourselves to being forged by God. It means that we essentially subject ourselves to being shaped by God by having Him increase the heat with a fire And when the heat is at the proper level to facilitate the stubborn material to move, we are then beaten and hammered into the form or creation that is pleasing to the one doing the work. So all of these things take place, and that's what it means to be forged. You know, this does imply that the material tends to not move unless it's 
put under intense heat and beaten. That's that's you and me. We're stubborn. The heat needs to be, you know, the the temperature needs to be raised up a little bit so, so that we are pliable. There's uh, some more reasoning for for increasing the heat too that I'll talk about in a few moments. But when it is properly formed, the formed object functions as designed and is ready to serve the purposes that the master desires. And so we are being formed into these objects that are used by the Lord to bring Him glory. In the places where we are, we are His workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, that we should live them out. In the process of being forged by his fire, it's essential that we, we subject ourselves to being examined in order to know whether our lives are resembling the shape God desires or not. Whether we're resembling the image of Christ in our lives. Therefore, we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You know, the Lord is, is in us. His Holy Spirit is with us. We need to learn how to resemble Him, to to glorify Him by the way we live our lives. So we need to subject ourselves to being examined in order that we would see whether we're resembling the Lord or not. Regular examinations are conducted in order to find out whether the subject understands. That, that That means that there are these tests to see if we comprehend what we've been reading and learning about. We also have these examinations to determine the level of proficiency. Uh, To what level are we exercising our understanding? Uh, To inspect one's life in detail, to determine our current state of our condition. We, We should always be in the process of doing that, allowing the Lord to examine our hearts and reveal to us really anything that is not of Him. And also to reveal those things that perhaps we can... We can be encouraged and keep going, keep going, keep going in that area. Don't lose heart of doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. The question is, you know, can, can the Lord work all this out on his own without us doing anything? After all, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Those who have uh, professed uh, the belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to die for us, right? At that very moment, can we not just resemble Jesus Christ without reading the Word of God? Do you know what it means to walk with the Lord, what it means to reflect His glory if you don't read? And the, the answer is no, right? It's really practical. It's, it's obvious. Uh, he also needs to work these things out as we are tested and examined uh, he's working out this, this thing, this process called sanctification. Uh, sanctification would not be necessary through the course of our lives if all we had to do is come to salvation, profess belief, faith in Jesus Christ, and then no longer read the Word of God or don't go to it for anything. This, in this book, we have everything that pertains to life and godliness. We just need to open it up and learn and apply I work um, also as a chaplain at uh, a couple local hospitals, and I work a lot uh, around a lot of doctors. I have a friend who's an oncologist um, who um, also battled cancer, and right now he's in recovery. 
um, he didn't examine himself. He didn't treat himself. He had someone else examine him. He had someone else treat him. Um, for us, we need to subject ourselves to not only the examination, but also to the, to the treatment, you could say. Uh, that the Lord would be the one doing the work in our lives. But we need to subject ourselves to that. And we do so by sitting down with the Lord, reading his word, praying and seeking him. And finding out what he has for us in our lives to bring him glory. Now let's talk about what will reflect the truth about us. You can turn with me to your, in your Bibles to James chapter 1. So in James chapter 1. This is what, as you, as you subject yourselves to the Lord, you open up the word of God. This is what will reflect the truth about us. It can be referred to as a mirror, as it will reflect what we truly look like. That mirror is the Bible. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The, The very word of God. It reveals to us. We look into it and we see it ourselves for who we are. Doesn't it reflect that? But if you walk away from the word and you forget what you read and what it is that you look like in light of, of God's word, then you're like that man that walks away from a mirror and forgets what he looks like. Just does nothing about it. Hopefully that's not the manner in which we approach the word of God. Uh, that, that we look to the Lord and whatever it is that's revealed to us, we, our intention is to do something about it. So if we truly desire to be forged by God's fire and resemble his image in our lives, then we need to consider what we look like according to God's standard that's found in his word and surrender our thoughts, our intents, our words, our actions to God and learn how to better present ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. And it ends up being that it doesn't come by working harder. You know, we we have a tendency to do things in our own power and our own strength. In the Christian faith, it isn't about working harder. It's about surrendering more to the one we are closest to. And soon enough, you stop thinking about what you do. Because it's who you are. It's your character. It's who you are. You're you're seeking the Lord. You're you're seeking to, to resemble him a little more. You're a follower of Christ, one who lives to his glory. As we saw this, um, the whole process of the blacksmith. So we saw um, an actual blacksmith with a piece of metal that he would put into the fire and it would, it would get orange. It would get so hot that it was, it was orange. So he had um, these tongs that he would put, put it into the fire and take it out. And then he would set it on an anvil and he would take uh, some hammers, different types of hammers, and he would flatten the end down. He was making this hook so that he could hang up, you know, whether, whatever it is, you know, on a wall. And he was forming it into that shape. But I, I didn't realize how hot it, it would get. So it would get, and I lo- had to look it up, it has to get over 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit 
for it to be at the right temperature to be shaped into the, the form um, that the blacksmith desires to make it into. And so I asked him, so does, it, does the, the metal lose its strength when it's heated so much and manipulated? You know, it, once it's hammered, it's twisted to make, uh, make it, it shape and, and uh, move in, in certain ways. And he said, no, actually, uh, it's not weakened. The way you would weaken it is if it's not raised up to the proper temperature. And then what you do is you compromise its structure and you can even break it. And so you do weaken it if it's too cold. And by the way, also the blacksmith keeps an eye on that object as he puts it into the fire. He tends to it. He keeps it very close to him. And he keeps an eye on it because he's not putting it in the fire so that it'll be consumed or annihilated. He says, if you keep it in the fire too long, what happens is it starts breaking down and melting. That's not my intent. My, my intention is to put it in the fire to, to bring it to a certain temperature that's perfect to mold it and shape it into the very figure, the instrument that I want to make it into. Oh, that's a great picture of the Lord with us. He sets us in the fire, not that we would be destroyed, but that we would reach a certain temperature that we too would be moldable in the shape of our blacksmith, our master, Jesus Christ. He does that. Reminds me of Timothy. How it was that Paul encouraged him to fan into flame the gift in you. Yeah, if we're growing cold in our faith, growing cold in our walk with the Lord, you know, I would encourage you by coming to fellowship, by praying, by getting in God's word to fan into flame through service, that gift that the Lord has given you. That you too would be at that proper temperature to be moldable, to allow yourself to be shaped into just that, the shape of that instrument that could be used by the Lord to His glory. Don't, don't lose that. Don't lose that. This, um, this whole process of being disciples of Jesus Christ is one of surrender. Reminds me of Acts chapter 4, verse 13, which says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. If we were to stop there, it'd be kind of a funny statement, wouldn't it be? It's like these, these people were uneducated. And so what were they astonished about? Well, because they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Notice that they didn't say that it was obvious that they were scholars. Hey, man, we know that you obviously graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary. You went to Azusa Pacific, right? You have a doctorate in theology, maybe an MDiv. No, they didn't say that at all. What they said was it was obvious. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. You know that you start to resemble the, the person that you hang out with the, the most. You know, that's why husbands and wives. It's like you see one, you see the other. You even start looking like each other, right? <laughs> you, you can finish each other's sentences, hopefully not looking like each other. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> might not be good. Um, but you know what I mean. It, it's like you... The mannerisms even 
you hang out, hang out with someone long enough, just even mannerisms. Our, our kids, that's what they tend to do with us. The longer time you spend with Jesus, the more you will resemble him. If you genuinely desire to know and exemplify of what you ought to look like, then look no further than Jesus Christ. You, you want to you look like him, then spend time with him. And that should be our desire, that we, that, that we are Christ to others, that they see Christ in us. So let's examine ourselves according to the standard of Jesus. That's according to the word of God. It's when we forget or don't truly get that he is the standard we ought to live up to, that we end up living according to our flesh and not the spirit. Or sometimes what we tend to do is live in comparison to someone else. We should take our eyes off of each other in that sense and put them just squarely on the Lord. Look to him. In 1 Peter, please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. In light of what I just said in, in regards to keeping our eyes fixed on the Lord. Listen to this. First Peter chapter 1 verse 13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Again, just going back to the word of God. In regards to this, may we desire to be holy just as he is holy. In light of this, what we just read, we ought to look intently into the mirror of God's word daily, allowing the Lord to do the examination in our own lives and reflect what we truly look like according to God's word. And then we ought to respond accordingly. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, we aren't these inanimate objects. We have free will. We have the power to choose. We, we are living sacrifices unto the Lord. We're not like that, that metal object that the blacksmith puts into the fire. We are those that are willfully, um, deliberately, willing to climb up on the altar ourselves. 
And so we ought to choose to stay there. Because when the, when the heat starts rising, let's not jump off the altar. It's, it's too hot. It's too much. I can't handle it. Why are you doing this, Lord? To me. Like as if we deserve anything, anything more, right? We, we are a people that feel very entitled, aren't we? We're entitled to everything. It's all about me, myself, and I. You know, it's... No, listen. We deserve nothing, just like what Ray was saying earlier. And yet we've been given everything by God's grace. Amazing. His love, His compassion, His patience with us is just beyond measure. We need to realize something. That as we're on that altar, and He raises the heat... It's not to consume us. It's to purify us. It's to strengthen us. It's to reveal any impurities. That, that blacksmith also, one of the things that he shared with us is that he had to go through the coal and every once in a while clean it out. And we were asking, why, why are you taking out some of, the, some of the coal? And he says, well, can you see like the gray parts right there? Those are all now impurities. And if you notice, the metal that I'm putting into the fire has to stay, there, uh, stay in there longer to reach the proper temperature, to be shaped, to be molded into that instrument that can be used. I go, oh, that's interesting. So that means if, if we don't remain on that altar and allow the Lord to do a work in our lives, that when we, are, we have God's word reflect uh, in our lives that which are impurities, that it takes longer for us in the heat to reach the proper upper temperature to be moldable in the hands of the Almighty God. So if you don't like being in the heat, the moment these impurities come to the surface, I would strongly encourage you to repent of those things and do away with them. Otherwise, we stay in the heat a little longer. Now, who, who enjoys that? Anyone enjoy that? I certainly don't. I don't. I want to get through that. I want to be conformed uh, or transformed uh, in the renewal of my mind, testing and discerning what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect, and walk with that. Therefore, knowing that we are to allow God's word to examine our lives, to reflect what we truly look like in light of the word, and then submit and subject ourselves to be formed by God into the vessel he desires to bring him glory, then it should be our daily duty, that which we give ourselves to, to read God's word, know it, understand it, and live it. I want to give you two principles. Just simple things that we ought to apply to our lives in, in this, this process of examination. Number one, test your faith. We looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, which says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. The Apostle Paul is extremely direct there, isn't he? He says, hey, listen, test yourselves, examine yourselves. It could be proven by, through that test that you're not even in the faith. I, I think too many Christians think that, and, and I am sorry if the church has done this, led you to believe that you are a Christian and it's proven by simply having you repeat a prayer and then show nothing for it the rest of your life. 
the, the church has done a disservice to you if that's all Christianity is, because it's not. It's not. The Apostle Paul makes it very clear, doesn't he? Examine yourselves to see whether you're even in the faith. What does that mean? Test yourselves according to God's word, whether you're even remotely close to living a life that reflects someone who is really genuinely following Christ and living obediently to him. Even Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He said nothing about just simply pray this prayer with me and then all is good. You know, you have fire insurance there. This means, hey, listen, this is the examination. This is it right here. It's a simple examination. You conscientiously deny your will if it does not align with God's will. A basic, basic elementary truth of a Christian. If your will, if your choices do not align with God's will, then you deny your will and choose to adopt God's will. Considering you have died in Christ to your sin, and it no longer has dominion over you, according to Romans 6, 5 through 14. So you die, you, you deny your will, you die to self, and then you simply follow the Lord. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, Jesus speaking, says you will keep my commandments. That's, that's the test. That's the examination that we subject ourselves to. Are we following God's commandments? Do we even know God's commandments? Do we know how to glorify the Lord? Because if we profess to be Christians, how many people do you know? That, that Are you a Christian? Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. How do you know you're a Christian? If you ask that question, how do you know you're a Christian? Well, because I believe. Okay, you believe, but how is it demonstrated in your life? I mean, what, what can you say? What do you know about God's word that would, that would just reveal that, that you love the Lord? Because this simply means that you live in obedience to God's word. There was once a lawyer that asked Jesus a question to test him. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. On these two. And so Jesus is saying the fulfillment of God's word can be brought down to these two. And the question for us is, in this examination that we're going through, is how are we doing with that? Just with that. How are we doing with that? Test your faith daily to see where you are. Are you living your life in a way that reflects your love of God? But we don't just test our faith for the sake of the test or to supply us with the knowledge, you know, that, yeah, we're in that place and then have no intention of doing anything about it. It's so that we will correct and grow in our faith with great understanding, with perhaps a deeper understanding. Peter writes in 2 Peter three seventeen and 18, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people. 
and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. You see, for us, we are commanded by God's word to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That, that, we, don't, that we don't seldom, infrequently visit the, the word of God, but that we daily, that we're, we're always in it, we're, we're growing, we're understanding um, the word and how to apply it to our lives. So, I want to give you the second thing, and then we'll wrap things up here. Grow your faith. So test your faith and grow your faith. Second Peter chapter 1 gives us how to do that very thing. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. The source. The source of this faith that is to be grown and nurtured is Jesus. Second Peter 1.3, we read it. His, his, his divine power has granted to us all things, not some things, not a few things, but all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Know Jesus, know an abundant life in a godliness that brings him glory. It's a life that's all about, as we know here, faith needs a supplement. It's, it's interesting, but that's what the word tells us. It's supplement after supplement after supplement. We're going to go over those supplements. This is how we are to grow in our faith. A supplement is something that completes or enhances something else when added to it. So to faith, something is added. So we're going to start out with a very basic foundational element of our growth. As we examine ourselves and and allow the Lord to reveal whatever is not of him, and he reveals those things that are of him, we're going to start out with faith because we're each given, by the way, we're each given a measure of faith. So what do you do with that? Well, we read in verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with Virtue. We'll start out there. Faith is supplemented with virtue. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. To this hope and conviction, you add a high moral standard of living. In other words, it demonstrates your, your change in the way you live 
actually demonstrates your faith, that you possess it, that you're doing something with it, uh, to demonstrate that it is a genuine faith in your life. If you say you have faith but deny living any different morally than you did before, then faith is actually lacking. At least it's exercised. Faith without works, it says in James, faith without works is dead, right? Virtue. As we continue on, virtue is supplemented with knowledge. The way you grow, the way you deepen, the way you strengthen virtue in your life is by adding knowledge. I need to understand a little bit more. An understanding of God's word, the substance of virtue is knowledge. But the knowledge requires something to complete it. Knowledge is supplemented with self-control. You see, knowledge puffs up, or at least it can. But when you exercise self-control, you begin to demonstrate godly wisdom and humility. Oh, how beautiful it is. When someone has a, a good understanding, a good grasp, is living it out in their lives. And with that comes that self-discipline. They're, they're bridled. Their, their tongue is held back from saying everything that they want to say. And they're humble. They're meek. Oh, it's, it's beautiful when a person knows how to do this very thing to bring every thought captive to obey Christ, to learn how to speak a word as appropriate and act with meekness. It is a person who is exercising self-control and understands how to use knowledge. And we know self-control, as we see this list here, is supplemented with steadfastness. Self-control needs to have the quality of being firm and unwavering, immovable. It becomes who you are. You are strengthened in Christ and exercise self-control of the knowledge you have come to exercise well. Self-control. Supplemented by steadfastness. And steadfastness is supplemented with godliness. And as you remain steadfast in how you live your life, make sure you check it and complete it by reflecting the character of God. Not the flesh or the opinions of the world or anyone else, but rather a life that reflects the character, the character of Jesus Christ. The word is known and Jesus is demonstrated to live in us. Godliness. Godliness is supplemented with brotherly affection. So we move along. These are all supplements, one of another. Godliness is then completed or demonstrated by the love that we show toward one another. John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. Continues on, brotherly affection is supplemented with love. Well, wait a minute. Isn't, isn't brotherly affection a demonstration, demonstration of love? Not always. It could be done out of duty just because, you know, I, I just want to come across this way. And it, it, and it is not always genuine. It's not always sincere. You see, this, this type of love that we're referring to here is an agape love. It, it's self-denying. It considers others as more valuable than ourselves. We esteem others better than ourselves. It, it's living for others. You know, laying down our lives is, is, uh, is going out of our way to bless and honor other people. This would be genuine. So examine ourselves in this, that we may know whether we're in the faith or not, and to grow in our faith, and to learn as we, the last verse that we read here, 
it, it's, it's a pretty amazing verse. How to learn not to fall. You know, that strongly implies that we as Christians are commanded to grow up. There are too many Christians that came to faith and are still adults and yet walking around like they're, or not even walking around like they're one-year-olds. You know, it, it's, um, it's acceptable. It, it's, um, it's something that we, we come to expect uh, of a baby. That a baby, how many of you have kids? Okay, a lot of you, okay. So you know, so your baby, you don't expect them to run, do you? Just came out. <laughs> Come on, kid, get up. Quit being lazy. You don't expect them to do that. Uh, they, they lay there and, and you, you tend to them, you feed them, you change their diapers, you, you, you know, they cry and they're very self-centered. They're very selfish. Everything's about them, right? Everything is. And then you got it like they, they we think they're so cute when they kind of roll over and and uh, it's like, wow, they rolled over, you know, it takes some time. And then and then they um, they learn to crawl. They do the army crawl first and then they get up on all fours and then, you know, they're they're going. And then pretty soon they they learn the word no as they begin to walk. It's like they maybe think their name is no because of everything that they're getting into. But they're walking, they're holding on, and they're walking. And what happens with babies when they start learning how to walk? They fall a lot, don't they? They don't just stumble, but they, but they fall. And sometimes they bang themselves around. They get to the, the, the height, perfect table height, to where they bang their heads on the table. Poor kids. I mean, everything, right? You guys know our boys, man, they, they were at that height, and it was like, oh, <laughs> You hit it again, right? We expect these things. But wouldn't it be weird if as an adult that continued to happen? I don't want to get up, you know? And and they fell everywhere. It's like, Isaac, get up. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Why, Why do you keep falling everywhere? It'd be weird, isn't it? Wouldn't it be? Listen, as Christians, it's just as weird. It's just as weird. We, as we walk with the Lord, ought to be growing, ought to be maturing to the place where, as it says, in fact, and that's what we're going to close it. Second Peter 1.10 says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. This is the word that's telling us if you learn these things, if you walk these things out, you will never fall. Listen, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's, there's not one that's sinless, right? We, can, we cannot reach this side of heaven, sinlessness. But we can certainly learn how to not fall. Can we stumble? Yes, we will stumble. We will stumble. We, we, we trip up, right? But we ought to be a, a people who are constantly giving ourselves to being examined, by the, being examined by the Lord with the intention of doing something about what is revealed that we would remove those impurities, allow the Lord to form us into that instrument that he desires to make us into, to his glory, and, and be mature believers that learn how to walk and not fall. Learn how to walk and not fall. Growing up with great strength, that we too could put on the full armor of God, as it says in Ephesians chapter 6, and actually do battle. Do battle. These soldiers, can you imagine if... 
they were crawling or doing all that. As believers, we need to grow up and, and learn how to walk in such a way that we bring God glory. Third John 1, 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That is God's word. That means that it's his desire that we, as his children, are walking in the truth and learning how not to fall. Father, we know the purpose of having you examine our lives by your word. I pray, Lord, that we would have the intention of doing something about something, those things that are, that are being revealed. I hope that by this, we see your love for us, your patience with us, as has been even in the songs that we've been singing, Lord, that we would recognize your grace. And so, Father, we know that your kindness draws us unto you. Lord, you are kind. You wish that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Salvation, sanctification. That we would be a people who fix our eyes on you and walk with great confidence, with humility before the Almighty God, having the hope of eternal life by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and simply live to glorify you. Strengthen us as your people. Fill us with your spirit, guide and direct us, and give us a greater understanding of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.